RIT is consistently ranked one of the top 200 colleges for Indigenous students by Winds of Change magazine. Today on Intersections, the RIT podcast, Nicole Scott, director of RIT's Native American Future Stewards program, speaks with Abigail Rigner, a second-year mechanical engineering student who is the regional student representative for the American Indian Science and Engineering Society. They discuss life as Native Americans in higher education, learning about Native cultures, and some of the unique ways RIT partners with tribal nations and organizations. We're going to start with the land acknowledgement. The land that we gather on, or we are doing this podcast on, is the traditional territory of the Anandawaka, or the people of the Great Hill. In Seneca, they are known as a keeper of the Western Door. And together with the Mohawk, Cayuga, Onondaga, Oneida, and Tuscarora, the Seneca make up the sovereign Haudenosaunee Confederacy. So we, we begin with a, a land acknowledgement because that helps us establish or recognizes the indigenous people who had a relationship to the land. And Abigail, what does that mean to you coming here as a student and hearing the land acknowledgement said before a big event? I think it's very important. I don't know if a lot of other students necessarily understand why we have to do it, but it's important to acknowledge the land we're on because it's not our land. It's land that was forcibly taken from a people that were then like exploited and just not treated as they should be. And it's one of the things, it's like the least we can do to return the favor of being on their land that they took care of for us. Personally, I like it because I think it shows that unique relationship that indigenous people have to the land. Because when you see the land, and you hear about the culture, you can see that connection. Because this weekend, you know, we went to Ganon again with a small group of students, and our interpreter there was going through all of the ways that, as a Seneca woman, she was brought up with the teachings and how every part of this earth was incorporated into who she is as a Seneca woman. And I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, and I think you can probably like kind of attest to this too, but like the, I think the culture, at least of the Comanche is just so different from like these, I just think it's like the whole Northeastern kind of tribal culture is just so much different than at least in the Southwest. Like for us, it's a lot more like how we live and a lot less spirituality. We do have the significance of a lot of things, especially like bison, but it's definitely like they cover almost like everything that they use in their daily lives, like the strawberries, the sunflowers, everything has meaning. Whereas I feel like um, in the Comanche at least, it's just kind of like those bigger things that really encompass like our lives that really get recognized. So Abigail, as a student here at RIT, when you when people find out you're, you're native, what is their reaction? Because I can tell you the reaction I get. I think for me and you just knowing me and you just looking at me I think it's pretty obvious it's oh you don't look native (laughs) I think that's a generic one for a lot of people with like the lighter skin and people who don't quote look native and it's it's sad because you know they're not really seeing you as who you think you are and I think that's one of the things especially with being like biracial is just having like 
a foot in both worlds and not knowing which one you're a part of because you'll never be fully immersed in either. I've usually, I usually get positive reactions. A lot of times, um, if I get to know a person, like later down the, the line, they'll ask me some questions like because they just don't know a lot about Native Americans. I think it's only like 27 states in the US teach some kind of Native American history in like K to 12 education. So there's a huge like knowledge gap between what some people don't know and what some people don't. So I think I've seen that knowledge gap in a variety of ways. And it's very interesting, the questions that'll come out of it. Working with students for the last seven years, you do get, I do see um, how students, when they get here, if they're either biracial or they didn't grow up on the reservation, they don't feel like the Future Stewards program is for them. They think it's for students like myself, who I am fully native, both parents are Navajo, and I grew up on the reservation. So coming from that background, I can see how the Future Stewards program would benefit me. But if I were to come, maybe, I, I had a student who has blonde hair, blue eyed, and it took her a while to feel like she could come to FSP. But I always tell students, like, if you are ready to claim your indigeneity, you're comfortable with it, you want to learn more, then that's what we're here for. I see many benefits to my job, but my favorite has to be helping students navigate, um, finding out who they are, find, learning more about their culture. And then sometimes they reconnect. I've had a few students who weren't enrolled, who didn't even think they could be, or felt comfortable enough claiming that identity, who have gone back um, and had enrolled into their nation. So that goes back to our mission of recruiting, retaining, returning, and rebuilding. But you had said that you get questions. Is that like what is needed? Yeah, and one of my roommates is actually from Puerto Rico. So she doesn't really, when I told her like that I was Native American, she like had no idea really what that meant. And she asked me to like explain like the different parts of not just the culture, but like the history and what it means to be um, indigenous in like North America, you know, that sort of thing. How do you start learning about indigenous peoples? Because there's so much to know. There's so many of us, there's over like 500 recognized tribes and you just pick one and figure out where to go from there. Look into the Haudenosaunee and I, I feel like I will start plugging them because really U.S. history began with the Haudenosaunee people and the U.S. government is based off of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. So yeah, I think people should start with them. I think so too. But do you, if someone were to ask you, like, where do I start? Is there a specific place you'd recommend? I know at least like my tribe has a museum that you can use to like learn about different things within our culture. So I know that's really good if you're looking to get into a specific tribe. But I think I would agree because the way it's just portrayed like in movies and in media, I did a project on this for a class last year. When it comes to portraying Native Americans in like media, you'll often get the image of like the Southwestern Plains Native Americans, especially the Comanche. And I thought that was so funny. I was like, what a coincidence. I never even realized that. But 
Yeah, that's not that's not where U.S. history began. That's not where really Native history was its strongest, I think, especially in terms of like the government and coming to America and that sort of thing. I agree that um, a lot of the Eastern cultures um, have a lot more uh, like to do with the beginning of the, the creation of the US. And I also think another good place to start just because I'm not sure it particularly gets enough recognition is those Pacific Northwestern tribes and those um, West Coastal tribes, just because so many of them have been erased, especially if you look at California, who I think had originally, they had about, I think, 500 of their own individual tribes. And now there's so few and they're so few and far between. And last year I got to stay um, with the Pachanga for ACES and it was just so incredible hearing their story. That was the ACES Leadership Conference? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what ACES is? ACES is short for the American Indian Science and Engineering Society. And what it is is like just a place for engineers and uh, people in STEM fields to come together and like communicate and network. And also there's like a job fair, but some really unique aspects of ACES is incorporating a lot of different tribes, cultures, and different aspects of um, Native culture as a whole and incorporating uh, Indigenous issues into our conference and having like sessions on those. So I got to the conference last year as a freshman and I think we were only in like our sixth week. So I got to the conference and I was just kind of walking around the career fair. Yeah. And, you know, I was just walking around and then I actually got to the booth for GE Aviation. I was just talking to them a little bit about what I was doing here and what um, kind of projects I had been working on in high school. They're like, oh, do you want to interview? <laughs> so I actually ended up taking the spot for the interview with them and I was um, offered an internship over the summer with them, which to me at the time was like absolutely like mind boggling because I really wasn't expecting anything. Like I really genuinely was not expecting to really get anything out of the conference besides um, more um, involvement and interaction with other um, indigenous STEM students. And then it turned out like the people there, even the, at the professional level are just so there for the students that they're willing to offer you opportunities as long as you're willing to like step up to the plate and take it, which to me was absolutely incredible. And I hadn't been expecting that at all. I really like that story because it, it shows, yes, one, we do ask freshman students to attend the conference just so that they can see what it all involves. Um, but then when you came back, I think it was the night we had our alumni dinner and you said, I have this interview with GE. And I thought, that is so cool. Um, but, and then you got it. So Nicole, we talked about like our trip to Ganond again. And could you talk a little bit more about uh, what that is and the different ways that we partner with um, different organizations and tribes around here. So it's funny because when we went to Ganon again, actually, that Wednesday before, um, which is the Ganon again State Historic Site, when I came um, seven years ago, my first day was the groundbreaking of the museum. And as the first day I met Pete Jemison who has become this mentor of mine 
and who has helped me navigate all of these different tribal relationships. He's a state historic site manager, but he's also very well connected within his own community. He's Seneca. And one of the, the big tasks that I had to do my first year was planning this Native American Advisory Council meeting, the NAC as it's called. It's a meeting between the sovereign nation of the Seneca and the RIT administration. The RIT president is involved and we, we need to get a better understanding of what is happening in the community? What issues are keeping students from applying to RIT or other universities? What do we need to be aware of so that how can we help counselors navigate children through the application process? So all of that is talked about at the NAC. And then from that first meeting came about the idea of this Native American Outreach Day. And I think it was my second year that I, we held our first outreach day. And it was basically inviting schools, many small groups from different communities. We had the JOM program from the Mohawk Nation come. And that was like a six hour drive. And we come, we bring them to RIT and we, just, we show them the campus and we help them with understanding what it takes to apply to RIT what resources do we offer? It really goes back to my own experience as a, a first generation student who had no idea what it all entailed. I, I think back to my story and it's hard for me to process how I was able to navigate it all um, because my parents, they, they could help me as much as they could, counselors, but I think the one thing that I really try to help students with when they get here is being that support to them, helping them find that confidence, because I really think that's where um, students feel when they get to RIT. It's like, oh, all of these students here, they're smarter than me. I don't see one native person. Um, so what we do when, when uh, we get students here is we really try to involve the ACES group, the NASA group, getting as many of our students into the room as possible so that they can see people themselves in that room. And then another thing that we partner with that involves the Seneca Nation is the Seneca Language Revitalization Project. And we have a Seneca PhD student working on that. Um, his name is Robbie Jimerson. And you know, seeing his work and seeing his passion for maintaining and preserving his language it, it's really inspiring to show other students, like, this is what's being done at RIT. These are the resources we have here. And, you know, if you want to help your, your culture live on, it's, I really think education plays a large part of that. Thank you for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. To learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu. And to hear more podcasts, subscribe to Intersections on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or SoundCloud, or by visiting www.rit.edu news podcasts.